Amen. Welcome, uh, welcome into the vineyard. Welcome back to this series. Welcome back, I hope, to what God is saying in your life. Um, we're approaching the Thanksgiving um, season. We're coming in. Maybe you're making plans and you're beginning to like, call your mom, your brothers, your sisters, and everybody's arguing and fighting over who's going to be where over Thanksgiving and stuff like that so that you know, we can have that, you know, that family Thanksgiving that feels real good when we're knocking heads with each other um, and we're being thankful, and that's exciting. Uh, honestly, the Thanksgiving season around here is one of those ones that's been very, very important to us because we have traditionally tried to reach in and touch the heart of Richard try to touch people that are in need and I'm excited about the way we're doing Thanksgiving over the last couple of years and going into this one as well and it's just a means of let's get out there and let's touch people's lives let's don't just try to grow a great big box but let's try to make a, a great big impact instead and that's what I like about that we are uh, in the the uh, third um, installation of our of our sermon series called um, a shepherd's look at Psalm 23 and uh, we've been talking about the fact that we're the sheep and that God calls us sheep. And, and we talked about you know, that in the beginning. And, and now we're going to look at uh, this whole in the valley of the shadow thing. That's what I want to look at today. But I've promised you that what we're going to do is we're going to read this every single time. And I've encouraged you. Man, it only takes, you saw how long it took that young lady to read that, 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 uh, that psalm. That's six verses. That's all this is. And I've tried to encourage you every single day, sit down, be quiet, five minutes. Just sit down for five minutes and be quiet with your Bible and read through Psalm 23 and then just listen and give the Lord a chance to say something to you. But I also promised you that every single Sunday morning during this series, we're going to read this together. <clears throat> and so I want to invite you into that, okay? Now, Last week, you did a little bit better in this service. Second service, no problem. They're awake. They got it going on. Okay? And I'm chiding you just a little tiny bit, okay? But let's read this. And what that means is we're going to do it out loud together, okay? That's us together out loud. So let's go ahead and read this right here. All right? You ready? It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Fathers, we come before you right now. We just ask and pray. Holy Spirit, we say come. We know you're here. We know that where two or more are gathered together in your name, Lord, there you are in the midst of them. And God, we count on that as we come together. Lord, we've, we've lived this week that's gone by. And we've lived it in you, we lived it with you, we lived it hearing from you, we lived it running away from you. We lived it abandoning all the things that we say that we believe in, and we've lived it embracing all the things that we say that, that we believe in God. But we come together today because we need you. And we need you, God, to open up this word. We need you, God, um, to make this real in our souls. We need you, God, to tear down the walls. We need you, God, to help us to forget about yesterday. We need you, God, to help us to not to worry about tomorrow. We need you, God, to remind us that our responsibility is do the thing that you've called us to. 
and then to leave it in your hands because you are God and we are not. So we thank you for this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. I believe that the Lord wants to say something to you. I believe every time that we get together <clears throat> that God has a message for you. I believe that every time I open up my Bible and I sit down and I quiet my day and I say, Lord, hey, I just need to be with you now because things are just rattling around, going crazy. You know, your, your, your watch blew a spring, your car blew a, a piston. I mean, I don't know what's going on in your life, but it just feels like things go on and, and we just need to be quiet in the presence of the Lord. And we talked about God making us lay down. He makes me to lay down in green pastures. We talked about that last week, that God forces us, if you will. You know, you take that word. He makes us lay down in green pastures. And sometimes when God's saying, man, I just want to spend time with you, and we're so busy, 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 it's like, man, we're going, going, going. And the Lord says, okay, it's okay. I can shut things down for you. I can do that. It's possible. And sometimes the Lord has to make us lay down in green pastures because it is what's best for our soul. Well, today, we're looking at verse 4. See, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So up to this point right here, um, um, David, King David, has written this song. We don't know what the, the tune is, but he's singing it. And he's singing it to God, and he's been talking about God. He's been describing God as a shepherd. And he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And then all of a sudden, David makes a shift. Do you see this? See, it's important to understand these things when you're reading your Bible. Man, we want to go deeper with God, but look what it says. I will fear no evil. Why? Because the good, if he was to stay in line with the, with the writing of this song, he would say, because the good shepherd is with me. But he doesn't, does he? He says, I will fear no evil because you, God, are with me. And it's like David is talking about God to somebody, and then all of a sudden God walks up. You ever been there? You ever been there when you were talking about somebody and you're having this conversation and then all of a sudden they walk and you know the person you're looking at's going, no, no, don't do that. Shh, shh, don't, and all of a sudden you're like, they're right behind me, aren't they? And they're like, yes, they are. And you hope that you're saying something nice because you're Christian people. You hope that you're being kind because you're Christian people. But sometimes your mouth's getting away with you. Your tongue's running off with you because... My flesh comes out a little bit. There was a time when my wife was doing some instruction at UK, and she was on the 17th, 18th floor of the building, whatever it was, and I wanted to surprise her with flowers one time. And so I, I drove up there. I'm not a student. I don't know where to park. I told the guy at the gate, hey, I'm just making a delivery. It was the truth. It was the truth. I said, I'm making a delivery. He said, you can park in the delivery spot right out front. You know, it's so many minutes parking. And I went upstairs, up the elevator. People are looking at me like I've got flowers. And you know how that is. A guy carrying flowers, right? What's the first thing you say? I wonder what he did wrong. He's at his wife's work. I wonder what he's trying to make up for. <laughs> Shot off his mouth one too many times. And now he's trying to beg her not to run off on him. Okay? You know, and so I'm going up the flower. And that's not what's going on. I've just decided I am just going to make her day. And so I get out of the elevator, and I look both ways, and it's like, yep, here we go. And I go down, because guess what? I hear her voice. And I'm so in love with her that when I hear her voice, it stirs a little something inside of me. And not only do I hear her voice, and it stirs something inside of me, I have flowers. 
See? And I'm like, win, 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 win today. Because I'm going to see her, I'm going to surprise her, and I know, this will be 35 years this year, but I know after 32, 33 years, I'm going to hand her these flowers and she's going to cry and hug me. She's probably going to kiss me. But as I get closer, I realize, are you ready for this? She's talking about me. You need to go to the Baptist church up the road, okay? <laughs> she loves me, all right? And I'm just going to tell you, I eavesdropped like a creeper. I stood by the door like this with my flowers, like this. People walked by, assumed, rightfully so, I was a creeper. I was creeping on my wife. I was. And she was suddenly saying some of the most incredible things about me. And I couldn't stay out there any longer. I walked in with my flowers, and all of a sudden she didn't miss a, she just said, and here he is now. No clue that I was coming, and here he is now. And that's what David is doing. That is exactly what King David is doing. He's like, man, listen, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. I shall be satisfied with the things that he brings into my life. I will find contentment. I will love him for what he is doing, even when I do not understand it. He makes me to lie down in green pastures even when I don't want to. He restores my soul. Thank you, God. And then all of a sudden he goes, Oh, look, here he is now. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you're with me. See, he goes right to you. Man, how do we miss God being with us in our everyday lives? Because we're too busy, aren't we? We're just straight up too busy. We're too busy to spend time with God. We're too busy to visit with God. We're too busy. Man, we've got things to accomplish. We've got kingdoms to conquer. We've got dynasties to build. We've got fortunes to amass. And then we think, man, God, when are you going to speak to my life? I really want you to speak to my life. I need a spiritual experience. I, it's been a long time since I've had a spiritual experience. God. And, and God's like, man, we need to back up a couple of verses where I make you lay down. Make you lie down. Inanimate things lay down. Animate things lie down. Make you lie down. I learned something this past couple of weeks. Make you lie down in green pastures. And God is saying, hey, I want to take you through that whole valley of the shadow of death thing. See, this psalm is about a shepherd that's taking us places. Think back to where you were a year ago. Just, just where were you a year ago on this date? Now, it doesn't have to be this exact date. But let me ask you, spiritually, geographically, geographically, where were you a year ago? Where were you five years ago? Geographically and spiritually. Can you see how it is that God has been bringing you forward? Can you see how it is that God has been bringing you to this moment? Do you see how the Lord has been leading you even when you didn't think he cared at all? You think you wandered in here? You think you, you found a church? You think you moved to Richmond? You think you got a different job? You think you met somebody? You think God was not in the business of affecting your life all this time? And yet here you are. In a place where God wants to say, listen, I love you. I know it gets kind of crazy, but you need to understand that I love you. 
Our journey with God begins where God began to speak to your heart. It transitions through real life experiences and all of them are not the best experiences we've ever had. When we wander away, things go bad. Um, we make bad choices, we eat bad food, we have bad enemies, and, and things just begin to spiral. But when we follow, when we make better choices, we begin to see God who is doing things in our life. And that's what this, this psalm is all about. And we're at the place where we say, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And I've said this before, so let me just say it again while we're on this one specifically. This is not King David saying, I am about to die, but I know you're here. This is King David saying, this is what he's saying, I have been in some tough spots. I have been in some places that I was mad or a hornet. I have been places that I didn't think God was paying attention. I was places that I thought it's going to wreck my business. I've been places where I thought it was going to wreck my marriage. I've been places where I thought it was going to wreck my children. I've been places where I thought God didn't care about my job and he didn't want me to get it. I have been places where I thought this is it. I'm going to end up homeless. I'm going to end up on the streets. I have been places and yet, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Just kill that thing for me, if you will, <laughs> before I do. All right? So, so we're looking at this passage, and we're looking at uh, 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 the, the idea that God is going to take us through the valley of the shadow of death. And as I'm reading this passage, and I'm thinking about this whole psalm, I just see John 14, and I just see um, um, Matthew 18 being played out in our presence. And they're not going to uh, uh, come up up there. But it's just, if, if you think about John 14, it's Jesus saying, I go to prepare a place for you. You know, in John 14, Jesus is prophesying that he's going to be crucified. He is going to Jerusalem. We're on our way. Things are coming to a close. And he says, I am going to go and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And that is very much like the fact that if the shepherd is going to lead us through the valley of the shadow of death, he's not going to take us someplace that he has not already been. You see, it was customary a couple thousand years ago that before the shepherd would take the sheep up into the mountains, and that's what they did, as, uh, as the summer came on, then the sheep were taken up to higher ground. As the winter came on, then the sheep were taken back to lower ground. But the shepherd did not just say, come on, sheep, we're going to higher ground. The shepherd would leave the sheep with either other shepherds, with minor shepherds, or he would leave the shepherds in uh, the sheep, the sheep, excuse me, in an open place, and he would go to the next field, and he's looking for toxic um, weeds. He's looking for signs that there are predators present. He's going ahead of them. He's going through the valley of the shadow of death. And for David, David was very aware that when he says, you take me through the valley of the shadow of death, he would have taken his flocks through the crags, if you will, through the valleys, through the cuts in the rock that got him to, to higher uh, places. Now, the reason that we see that it says this is because when water falls, it flows downhill. As it flows downhill off a, a hilltop or off a mountain, it cuts a valley. And, and the thing about taking the sheep through the valley of the shadow of death, where the walls close in, maybe there's not a lot of room, is the idea that that's where the still waters are. 
the rivers, the rivulets, the creeks, uh, the streams, they run down through those valleys, through those cuts in the rock. And sometimes when God is trying to lead us to blessings, we go through some tough things that cut and, and are difficult for our souls. And we say, God, what are you doing? And he says, in the midst of this difficult time, we find still waters. He takes us and protects us in the shadow of the valley. And, and the crazy part is, as, as we're going down through these places, we know that he's gone ahead of us, just like in John 14, where he says, I'm going to go to prepare a place so that, check this out, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come back to you. And so it's like he left us with a shepherd. Of course he did. And in John 14 and Matthew 18, he leaves us with the Holy Spirit. That's what he does. He leaves us with the Holy Spirit. And so we recognize that he's gone ahead of us so that he can lead us into this, so that he can come back and get us, so that he can take us to where, we're, uh, where he is going to be. And so we see that whole picture. And I like that. That, uh, it, that, that scripture in the New Testament goes on to say, I will come back to get you so that where I am, there you may be also. That's the whole point. That is the whole point of the shepherd going on ahead of us. And we feel like we're all alone, don't we? It's like, oh, we're standing out here with other sheep sometime. You know, there's no shepherd here. We're not seeing it. And we're getting a little nervous because we don't like what's going on. Or I, I love that one of my children, when they were being interviewed for their kindergarten, um, all he wanted to know was, who's the shepherd? We're sitting in the back of the room because they don't want parents to talk. You be quiet. Don't give your pre-kindergarten you know, kindergarten student all the right answers, you know, because we want ours to be the baby genius. You know, so you parents sit in the back. And I remember one of my children saying to the teacher that was administrating this test, he just suddenly stopped what he was doing and said, hey, are you the boss? And she, she chuckled and she goes, what do you mean? He goes, are you the boss? And she said, well, I guess I am. And he said, okay. He went right back to what he was doing. We just need to know if we have a shepherd. We just need to know if the shepherd is paying attention to us. We just need to know that he cares for us. And the joy is that's exactly what he's doing even when we don't know if he's the boss. He is. It's the same thing John said when John was in prison and he was about to be beheaded. And John actually sent his disciples to Jesus and all he wanted to know was, Please go back there, and I'm just giving a little bit of uh, theological latitude here that John and Jesus were cousins. Okay, just go back to, to, to Jesus and ask him, is he really the one? That, that's scriptural. After Jesus said, that's the one, I knew it was the one because the dove came down, landed on his head when I was doing the baptizing. Later, when he was in prison, about to be beheaded, just one more time, could you just please affirm, I just need to know, I need to trust you, God, could you please, okay, you disciples, go back and ask him, is he really the one? See? Don't take my word for it. It's in your Bible. Read the story. Okay? Read the story. It's there. But I love that he's going to come back and get us so that where he is, we can be there. These are the things that I believe the Lord wants me to share with you today, that a shepherd has a reasonable expectation of. When I say, when I read, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Just a little bit of history as I go into this thing right here. A staff is about 18 inches long. 
okay? Excuse me, a rod is about 18 inches long. A staff is that thing that you see that has the big shepherd's crook on it that we all romanticize the shepherd having, and, and that's all wonderful. It's his hiking stick. He can reach out, grab the little lamb away from that. It's that rod that we don't like, that we don't know that we don't like. You know what that rod is for? That rod is a projectile. It's a specific tree that's dug up out of the ground in the Middle East that has a root ball on the end. You cut off the root, so now it has a knob on the end. You flip it over, you trim it down, you smooth it up, you polish it, you put your engravings on it, you throw a leather strap on it, and you hang it, carry it, whatever you want. But it is now a weapon. Believe it or not, it is a weapon. And as the wolf comes, as the coyote comes, these people have, these shepherds have contests throwing what's called the rod. And so when we say, oh, his rod comforts me. No, it does not. And not in America today, it does not comfort us because the rod is used to smack an animal, <laughs> not to encourage them along. See? So the wolf comes, he throws the rod, and he gets out in front of it, and David says he's you know, attacked the bear, he's attacked the, the lion, he's pulled the lamb out of its mouth, however he said that. Okay? But sometimes... The shepherd has to use the rod on the sheep. Because the sheep start wandering. And he can't be everywhere with the flock of 150, 200 sheep all at the same time. But he can be accurate with that rod. And that end helps it to fly the way he wants it to fly. And, and, and seriously, they have these big competitions. And he can just whack the, the sheep in the side. And it's like, okay, I'm going the wrong way. I, I didn't want to do that anyway. And the sheep comes back over where it belongs. See? And so we don't always think about that rod being something that comforts us. Now, the staff, that comforts us. He has his staff. He leans on his staff. He saves me with his staff. He collects me with his staff. He gets me up off the cliff that I fell off with his staff. He uses his staff. And so we think staff, staff, staff. We see the picture of the shepherd with the staff. We don't always see them put the rod on the shepherd, but that's kind of a universal tool back in the day. It wasn't just unique to Israelites, you know, um, 4,000 years ago. So when David says, your rod and your staff comfort me, he says, when you discipline me, I appreciate it, God. When you comfort me, I appreciate it, God. And so we want to look at this. Reasonable expectation that the shepherd has of the sheep as we follow him through the valley of the shadow of death, knowing that he's caring for us. He has a reasonable expectation that we follow him. A little too oversimplistic? Man, we make it so complicated today in church. We make it so complicated today. We follow. See? But we live in a world where everybody wants to be the boss. I'm just going to tell you right now, listen to me, being the boss is overrated. When I was the boss of my construction company, before I was a minister, overrated. Guess who they called when things went south? Guess who got his behind chewed when the client didn't like the way it was unfolding? Guess who? The boss. They didn't call the employees and chew them out. They called the boss okay and so it just continues to translate down the line but we are a bunch of people so much so and it, to some degree it's our humanity that the scripture says that we are called to submit to one another submit to our leaders submit to the people that god appoints submit to our husbands our wives and we don't like that word submit because we bow up and we don't want somebody pushing us around see and so we'd rather lead than follow 
And so I think the shepherd has a reasonable expectation of us that we follow him. Because if not, how is he going to care for us? How can he care for us if we're not following him? And I love that he doesn't lead us where he's not been. I'm going to keep dragging that whole where he's not been thing. Jesus says in John chapter 6, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And so when you look at Jesus' actions, he was in heaven, he came down, he went back to heaven, and then he's going to come back. And like I said before, I love that picture of leaving us with the Holy Spirit, with a comforter. I would encourage you to get in touch with the Holy Spirit who is God. I would encourage you to say, God, open up my eyes, free my heart to truth. I believe the second thing is that reasonable expectation is us being obedient to Him. We follow Him, we're obedient to Him. It's one thing to follow, we can follow from a distance, but it's another thing to say, I will partake, I will do this thing. John 6, 6, 6, right? Jesus is preaching, he's talking to him. he says, unless you eat my body, drink my blood, you will have no part with me. People in the background are like, oh, that's nasty, that's gross, that's awful, you're a sick, sick, sick man, we thought you were the guy, but the scripture says in John 6, 6, 6, from this point on, many disciples turned away and refused to follow him. That's just a little too creepy, right? But it was a metaphor. Is a metaphor that we embrace the teachings of Jesus, we embrace the way the world is going to respond to the teachings of Jesus, and we begin to move forward and we keep doing this. <clears throat> so we wonder about that. The only way for us to follow Jesus, honestly, is to be obedient to come, follow me. And that's going to take all of us in a different direction. It's going to take all of us doing different things. Accept that no matter where you go, that's your mission field. And I would encourage you in this. John, um, of James and John fame, wrote in the book of 1 John, he said, in fact, this is love for God, to keep His commands. And His commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. I don't know how you feel today. Do you feel like you're overcoming the world? Or do you feel like the world is overcoming you? Because the Scripture says that obeying Jesus basically is a delight for his sheep. Following him even through the valley of the shadow of death is a delight for his sheep because he's already gone ahead of us. It doesn't say we die in the valley. It says he takes us through it. It even goes on to say, and we'll talk about this later, he prepares a table for me. And everybody's looking in on what God is doing in the midst of my life. And so we ask ourselves, do our marriages reflect being obedient to God? Do our jobs reflect being obedient to God? Do we rationalize ourselves out of having to be obedient to God? The third thing is, we have a reasonable expectation of us providing for Him. That would be kind of better if we said Him providing for us, right? But he bought us, and so I think that's a given. I think that's an absolute given. You buy livestock, you're going to feed livestock. You don't want to buy livestock just to kill livestock. But I think we have a reasonable expectation that we provide for him. You know why shepherds buy sheep? To make money. Again, too simplistic? 
They buy sheep so that they can make money. You know how they're going to make money? Two ways. No, three ways, excuse me. Three ways. Number one, on an annual basis, they're going to fleece the sheep. Well, I don't think I want Jesus fleecing me. <laughs> well, I get that. But think about the metaphor for a second. Every single year, God has a right to expect that He's going to take His sheep, turn them upside down, get the clippers out, cut all their hair off, put it in a big bag, call it wool, and sell it. And the sheep are going to be perfectly fine. Guess what they're going to do? They're going to get more wool. It's going to keep growing. God is going to, in His creation, has created that that wool will keep growing. And so He takes the fleece off. He takes His 10%. Now, the second thing He's going to do is He expects the sheep to propagate. That means make more sheep. That means have babies. He expects that's what's going to happen. He's going to put this U, E-W-E, not you, this U with this ram, and they're going to have little babies, and sometimes they're going to have twins, sometimes they're going to have one. Little babies are going to frolic, they're going to be happy, it's going to be great. And he's going to grow them up till they're about nine months to a year old, and then he's going to take them to market, not to be killed necessarily, but he's going to take them to market and sell them to another shepherd who wants more sheep, who expects to fleece the sheep and have those sheep propagate. Absolutely. And then the last thing he's going to do is he's going to take them to market um, to eat them. Mm, that's a hard one. Not real big on that one. I like the one where we bring our income to God. We thank God for our income. It's a promise that God made. It's one of two things in the Scripture from Genesis to Revelation where God ever said, test me in this. And this is not a, a, a talk about money, but listen to me. If you're wondering why things aren't going the way they could be going in your life, let me just ask you like Malachi did, are you robbing God? God said, I only want 10%. Actually, God said, hey, you keep 90%. That's what he said. You say, well, that's Old Testament. No, it isn't. Matthew 23, 23 says you should have remembered the latter without forgetting the former. Don't forget to be generous, but tithe. And so we still have that call to bring our sacrifices and our offerings to God. Okay? And so when we wonder, hey, why isn't it happening? It's because Malachi said, listen, if you'll do this, the Lord God Almighty said, and he's not a slot machine, but the Lord God Almighty said, test me in this bring in the whole tithe and see if i don't take care of you beyond what you actually anticipated or expected okay there's that the other thing is we're called to make baby sheep how do we make baby sheep we make disciples let me ask you a question it's been a whole week it's been a whole week since we got together on a sunday morning who was the last person you invited to church god expects us to invite people to church more than that, God expects us to share our testimony with people that we interact with. And I'm not saying soapbox, stand up on it, beat them down, throw scriptures, throw rocks at people. No. God is in love with the world. He's in love with you. He did things in your life. And He just wants you to simply begin to say, hey, you know what the Lord did in my life this week? Let me share it with you because I promise you this. If God does something amazing in your life, He wants you to testify, man. He wants you to broadcast it around. And if we are a people who will not tell people what God has done in our lives, whether it's material possession, relational possessions, um, emotional possessions, and all healings in these areas, why would God keep doing it for us if we're just going to keep our mouth clamped shut?
and not give him the glory for it. Why, why would he do that? See? I think God wants us to speak it out there. And I think we're supposed to increase and invite people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because Jesus said, go, make disciples. That's what he said, go, make disciples. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians, for you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body, in your spirit, which are God's. See, God expects a production. There's an expectation there. That's the reasonable expectation that we have of the shepherd. Okay? But this is what we can count on. Excuse me, the shepherd has of his sheep. But this is what we can count on. I'll go through this just a little bit quicker. The sheep can always count on these things. That the shepherd is always preparing a place for us. He's always preparing for us. Big picture. The shepherd is always big picture down the road. He always sees us. He's always paying attention to what's going on all around. You know what I mean? The shepherd knows. When we think the shepherd doesn't know, when we think the shepherd doesn't care, when we think the shepherd isn't paying attention, it's, he's still working on your behalf. He's still doing. There is nothing, there's nothing hidden from God. And there's nothing that God doesn't know. And I love that Jesus said this. As he's defending himself to the, to the uh, Pharisees, he says, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. Always interceding on your behalf, the scripture would go on to say. What about this in the book of Matthew? Don't be like the, the heathen because your father knows what you need before you ask him. Do you understand that God knew what was going to happen? The transmission was going to fall out. I had somebody share with me today. God knew that. At times in my life, God knew the brakes were going to stop. He knew that um, this was going to, the, the water heater was going to go out. He knew this was going to happen. And so as we interact with God, he already knows what we need. Go ahead and ask him. Go ahead and talk to him. But just know this. He knows because he's always watching you. And that gives me comfort. He's always watching me. And I want to be a part of that. So I can always count on the fact that God is there. I can count on the fact that not only is he always preparing, but he's always working for my good. Doesn't always feel good. Doesn't always feel good. But trials are actually a biblical means of strengthening and changing me. Count it all joy when you go through diverse trials and temptations. Now, I don't know about you, but when things go bad, I'm not like, yeah, let's do this. I'm the guy that's usually like, oh, Lord, I can't believe it. You know, somebody ate the last Oreo. You have to understand how much I like Oreos. There is a pack in my pantry right now. Don't touch them. But it's like, that, that, that's like persecution to you and I in America. We don't understand persecution. And we're like, oh, for crying out loud, did we not buy another pack of Oreos? Who ate it? Well, your children were here this week. Tell them not to come <laughs> till the Oreos are gone. You know, but that's what we think. And yet God is always working on our behalf. That is not a trial. But when we do go through trials, when things do get difficult, God says, count it all joy. Try to find some place where you can say, God, what are you doing? Not like, God, what are you doing? But, God, what are you doing? What do I need to learn? I'm only going to be on this planet for 70, 75 years. 80, maybe. 
God, what are you doing in this moment that I can learn? In the book of Romans chapter 8, it says, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. It, it says all things, the good and the bad, God will use to bring other people to a salvation knowledge of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And in the, in, in the book of Romans chapter 8, 34, it says, who then is it that condemns us? No one. You're not condemned by God. John 3, 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him it might be saved. God's not mad at the world. Regardless of what you may hear some people preach, he is not mad at the humanity on this planet. For God so loved the world, and if he didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, and it says right here, Paul says, who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ, who died, more than that was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, always interceding on your behalf. He's always working for you. He's not always saying, go ahead and send some more. He's saying, knock it off. Remember that rod? That rod may have to, you know, come along and comfort you. And that's where we go with the last one that I want to share, and then I'll get out, but the, the, the shepherd will discipline us. That's a guarantee. That's capital W, capital I, capital L, capital L. He will discipline you. That shepherd will snatch you up and take a switch to your tuchus, just like your nana did, your grandma did, your mimi did, your mima did. Whatever it is you called her when you were over there doing something you weren't supposed to do and she said don't do it and you did it. She will swat your bucket. And you think the Lord won't? Here, this is what we need to understand. In the book of Hebrews chapter 12 it says, have you completely forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? This is a word of encouragement. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you and he chastens you because everyone that the Lord disciplines, he loves. Accept it as his son. Okay? Let me, let me read it. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you and chastens everyone he, and I cut that word off, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? And listen to me, don't read that and hear God beats me sometimes. God doesn't beat me sometimes. He's not mad at me. He loves me. He wants to correct me. And so I need to come to understand that discipline comes from the base word disciple. It means to correct the path of. So he'll do whatever it takes. Hey, move over. Hey, move over. You know how it is at your house. If I have to say that one more time, but you've said it twice and that should be the correction. That third time it comes with a swat maybe. See? Same thing with the Lord. He's not into beating us. He's into correcting us, not punishing uh, correcting us and sometimes it hurts a little bit because we won't listen but it is because he loves us it is because he's trying to get us that very thing maybe we've been crying out to him for do you feel like God is not caring for you today do you feel like you're going through the valley of the shadow of death but you're not feeling like 
but there you are with me, Lord. You feel like you're going through a tough time right now, and you're like, well, then where is the Lord? Is it possible in the midst of all this that there's a discipline? Or is it possible that you've just got to go through a tough spot because he's already got a green pasture that he's trying to take you to? I would encourage you in this. To pray to the Lord today if you feel like you're going through the valley of the shadow of death. God, open my eyes to what you're doing so that I can join you in the midst of this. Don't cry and say, get me out, get me out, get me out. Say, Lord, take me through this. Help me grow. Help me learn. Help me understand. Help me be the person in the midst of this that you want me to be because you're going to set a table and feed me in the presence of my enemies, which means people are watching me. How do I handle the trial and the difficult situation? Pray to God and say, God, I thank you for the blessings that I've already experienced to this day, this week, maybe this year. But God, you have been good to me. But there comes a time when it's time for us to pray like King David. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me, Lord, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is, here it comes, an offensive way. In. Am I sinning, Lord? Am I sinning against you? It says right there, we should pray. Tell me, God because I need you to lead me in the way everlasting. And then Paul tells us when we gather together that we ought to examine ourselves when we gather together. When we come into the great assembly with with people, when we're going to experience communion, that we should examine ourselves and see if we're we're walking right with God. Because he wants to carry us through. Because he wants us to be productive. He wants us to make other sheep. He wants us to grow fleece. He wants us to experience green pastures. He wants us to experience the very things that we're praying for. But sometimes he has to get that rod out and not that shepherd's crook. I want his staff to comfort me, but I'm bucking against what he's leading me to or through. And I want to encourage you today if you're feeling like God is not doing a good job. It's okay if, if, if you have doubt. It really is. But if you're saying, man, God, I, I, I don't get it today. We just want to invite you up here to have these people pray for you. That's, that's all we want to do. Come up here and just say, you know, I don't understand. And, and maybe I'm not going to, but I need the peace of God that he's my shepherd and he has all of those things in store that he does want what's best for That's what they want to pray down on you. In the midst of the crazy, we want to bring the kingdom of God to your heart. So let's stand to our feet. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. We invite you to come. Honestly, if there's anything that you specifically want prayer for, we will do that. But today, I've just got a heart for people that are going through the valley of the shadow and they're wondering if God's even there. Just, Just come on up here. We want to pray for you while we're singing this song. Thank you.